line would be on because, you know, the Bible says there, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, he who wins souls is wise. Yeah? Bible says that. He who wins souls is wise. So, you know, when Jesus shows the disciples this miraculous thing of catching all these fish, he says in Luke 5 that from now on you're going to be fishers of men. And uh, this would mean that these guys had to be filled with the Spirit of God and they had to be filled with faith, but they had to be filled with a third thing, wisdom. And so we see the, uh, the spiritual aspects, but we see a character aspect as well. There's wisdom. And so, you know, as we look to build the church, in Acts chapter 6, there's a story there about how the disciples were growing in number. And it says that they couldn't look after all the work that was going on. And so the, the disciples were asked by the apostles to find people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 6 that these, they had these qualifications of good reputation. They're not only spiritual people, but they were good people of reputation. They had good character and they were filled with wisdom and faith. So the two are hand in hand. So we, we can't just say, oh, well, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I've got to be good for this. You've got to have character as well. And your, your gift will only carry you as far as your character goes. A lot of gifted people fall short. They think my gift is enough to carry me. It is not. Your character must carry you beyond your gift. In Acts chapter 6, verse 3, if you turn there, it says, Therefore, brethren... Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. That's the character aspect. And full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. Now, what were they doing? They were doing menial things. They were serving on the tables. But they needed wisdom and character because, remember, we are wise to, to bring souls to the kingdom. And that's what Beyond's all about, bringing people into the church, into relationship. It doesn't need just your prayers. It doesn't need prayer. It doesn't need just your Holy Spirit speaking tongue life, but it needs your character. So what is defined as wisdom? Wisdom is this. If you're making notes, write this down if you can keep up. Wisdom is the ability to be knowledgeable, but not unteachable. Wisdom is being confident, but not arrogant. Wisdom is being trusting, but not gullible. Wisdom is believing, yet proving all things. It's courageous, yet it's not foolhardy. It's humble, yet it's not servile. It's encouraging, but it's never flattering. It's profound, yet it's easy to relate to. It's knowing what is appropriate and when it's appropriate. It's accepting, yet uncompromising. It's godly, yet exciting. It's prosperous, yet generous. Hallelujah. That's all the things that wisdom is. Living wisdom is relationships. It's about people. That's what we're called to do. None of us can do life alone. Amen. When I was a young kid, we used to, I used to love this band called Simon and Art Garfunkel. Two guys, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel, for those of you younger people who don't know that, they wrote The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Like a bridge, for those of you who don't know that one, over troubled waters. And that's what it's like when we have an argument at our house. 
For those of you who don't know that, my name is Waters. Okay, that doesn't explain it. Okay. Praise God, we get it, we get it. And uh, they wrote, among other songs, I'm a rock, I'm an island. I don't need anybody. But we are not rocks and islands. Relationships, we can not do life alone. In fact, the Bible says and declares this, that, uh, let's look at this, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord said, is not good that man should be alone. Man alone is a nut. Praise God. And we're called to do life together with our family, our friends, our church, our team, the players, associates, whatever it is, we're told, we're told to do it together. This is from a book called Stress and Death by um, Anika Rosegren. Um, well, it wasn't a book. It was from extracted from British medical journal. She wrote this. Whereas three or more incidents of intense stress within a year say serious financial trouble, being fired or a divorce, tripled the death rate in socially isolated middle-aged men. They have no impact whatsoever on the death rate of men who cultivate many close relationships. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. It says two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. We're called to do life in connection. That's why connect groups are all about Christian City Church Junlup. If we're not in a connection, we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to be disconnected. We've got people in our church who are great connect leaders, who have pastoral hearts, who care for people. They're gifted in that manner to shepherd. We've got some more in training right now. We're going to be introducing them to you in the next couple of weeks. And our purpose is to to get you there, to be in connection. Our purpose of life is is wrapped up in the divine connections that God has arranged for us. He's arranged for you to come to this church, to be connected to it. Not to be a social attender on a Sunday, but to be connected one to another in a team. You know, when Joseph was sent into exile, you remember the story? He went before his brothers and father, in time of famine, he was sent there. His brothers sent him into exile. They put him in a pit. He finally finished up in, in, in Egypt and he was assistant to Pharaoh. He was like the, premier, like the president or something to the Pharaoh. The brothers come to him and say, we want food. And remember the scheme that he planned there? He got his brothers. He said, if you go get your little brother and bring him back to this house, then there'll be food plenty for you. And... The brothers say this. One of the brothers said this, Judah. He says in Genesis chapter 44, and he's talking about his little brother and his father. He's talking about Jacob and this younger son. He said, his life is bound up in the lad's life. He's talking about his dad. He said his dad, his life is bound up in the, in the life of this lad. There's divine connection. He said, if you kill him, you'll kill him. 
See, he never got it before because he was the guy that sent, the, that sent Joseph into exile and lied about his death. He never got it. He never got it that, that he, he, would have, he did something that was nearly able to kill his father because his father's life was connected to Joseph, his son. And now in, finally in his older age, he finally gets it. I'm not a rock on an island. I'm not, a, I'm not isolated, an accident waiting for a place to happen, but I am divinely connected to other people and my life is bound up in your life and your life in mine and your life in the life of other people in this church. When you leave, you affect people. When you, when you go with an attitude or, or walk out, your whole life is connected to how you walk out. And I say this, how you walk out is how you walk in. How you leave is how you come into new relationships. If you leave, then you'll come into the same relation. You'll come again with all of those things that you left behind. We might change geographic locations, but we cannot change the location of your heart. It is located by divine radar, by God. Are you with me? Jacob's life, his destiny and purpose was bound up in the life of his son. Survey of what people want was discovered by... Uh, a survey group, they said consistently at the top of the charts is not, as many might expect, success, youth, good looks, or any of those enviable assets. The clear winner is relationships every time. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says this, from whom Christ the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. You're important. If we're not connected, we don't grow. We grow when we're joined and knit together. Who's done a, th- uh, a knitting? Who's knitted? All the grandmas. Knit, 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 knit. What do you do? Pearl, how's it go? Knit one per one and don't drop one. It's about, it's about intertwining, isn't it? Knitting. That's, if, if the thing's dropped, it falls apart. The whole thread, you can get the dropped thread and you can pull the whole thing back. Do, 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 do. And that's what happens when you're missing from the ingredients. You say, I don't count. Drop one. You grab that thread, you can pull the whole thing apart. Amen. A church that's knitted together is a church that's going to stay together. A church that works out its heart, its character. Jesus said this in John 15. He says, you are the vine. I am the vine. And you are the branches. He who abides in me abides in the vine. They are connected. People say, I don't need the church. That is crazy. It's like saying my petrol doesn't need, my car doesn't need petrol. I don't need the church. We need each other. Good relationships don't just happen. If they happen, that's very rare, just happening. Every relationship takes the four-letter word, W-R-R-R-O-R-K. I passed English at school. Work. Whether it's marriage, family, how do I spell it? My little girl over there knows how to spell it. Whether it's a marriage, a family, a parent, a child, a friend, family, discipleships of Christ, all these are relationship and they all need work. They all need. You know, and you know what? I find that we are constantly untrained 
and uneducated in this whole area of relationships. We are. The Carnegie Theological Institute has stated that 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because they cannot get along with people. Not because they didn't pass a PhD or a doctorate or something or other, but they fail because they cannot get along with people. This is why we have connect groups. Because the deepest need that we all have is to be connected with each other. That's the deepest need of the heart. Praise God. We can't function without each other. In Mark 4, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, and I've been referring to it every week as we've been looking at beyond, is that the four men were needed to get this crippled guy into the presence of Jesus. Four people, not one, four. They let him down. They all had a role. They all had the four faces of humanity. They had the face of the eagle, the prophet. They had the face of the man, the evangelist. They had the face of the, of the bull, you know, the strength. And they had the face of, of one of the others, and I can't remember what it was, but they, there's many facets of getting people into the... We need all of it. We need to be that kind of church that builds relationships. It's how churches grow. Praise God. The greatest thing that we can do when we work with each other is to love one another. If we'll just keep loving one another, we'll grow the most fantastic, phenomenal church on the face of the earth. Love, the Bible says, covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't count wrong. 1 Corinthians 13. It says, you can do it to me a hundred times. I'm still going to love on you. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? The trademark of a, of a, the clear trademark of a disciple, whether it be 200 years ago or a thousand years ago or today, the clear trademark is you shall know that they love one another. They shall, you shall know that they are my disciples by the way they love each other. And this world is looking for what you have. Our church, Connect Groups, is a place where people can get loved on no matter what they've done in life, no matter how they've messed up, no, how, no matter what their struggle has been. It's important to love and it's important to be loved. It's a place of healing. You know, there is healing in loving just as there is sickness in hating. People get healed. You say, oh, I need to lay hands on you and get the Holy Spirit into you. You can just love people and they'll get healed. They're paralyzed. People come into our worlds paralyzed. You know, the, this, this actually here, to love people, is, is not a great suggestion. You know, the Bible is not a book of great suggestions. It's a book of great commandments. This commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, And the second is like it. And it says, uh, love God first. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. It's not a suggestion. It's not an advice book. It's a commandment saying, I want you to obey it and love me and love each other. Our calling is to win people. And our calling to win people is not just a great suggestion. It's compelling us. It's compelling us. It's saying, by this kind of love, you'll win people. People should feel that we're in your presence, in, when they're in your presence, they should feel your demeanor is totally different from anything they've ever experienced on the face of the earth before. They should feel when they meet you that the very nature of God is, is inside of you. They should feel that they are supernaturally attracted to you. They might not be able to understand it, but they could clearly say there's something different about that person that I am attracted to. 
What are you communicating? Are you communicating? You know, I said the other day, a lot of people don't come to Jesus because they don't know a Christian. But just as many come, don't come to Jesus because they do know a Christian. Because we're saying the wrong thing. Communication is important. If it's not important, let me just look at these couple of things and uh, show you how important these were peeled out of uh, newspapers and ads. This is, look, lost, small apricot poodle, neutered like one of the family. Dinner special, turkey, $2.35, chicken or beef, $2.25, children, $2. You, you don't think these are funny? I think they're hilarious. For sale, antique desk for lady with thick legs and large drawers. Four poster bed, 101 years old, perfect for antique lover. Antique lover. Now is, now is your chance... To have your ears pierced and get an extra pair to take home too. Do not tear your clothing with machinery. Oh, we do not tear your clothing with machinery. We do it carefully by hand. Tired of cleaning yourself? Let me do it. These are all ad, these are all true. These are all what this. This one for Kevin and Lisa. Dog for sale. Eats anything and fond of children. Ladies and gentlemen, now you can have a bikini for, ridiculous, for a ridiculous figure. <laughs> Serena Lodge, swim in the lovely pool while you drink it all in. She has stockings designed for fancy dress, but so serviceable that lots of women wear nothing else. Can I read that here? What? Gosh. Man, honest, will take anything. Man wanted to work in dynamite factory, dynamite factory must be willing to travel. Here's one for Carl and uh, Maddie. Use cars. Why go elsewhere to be cheated? Come here first. <laughs> wanted man to take care of cow that does not smoke or drink. Our bikinis are exciting. They are simply the tops. Wanted, preparer of food, must be dependable like the food business and be willing to get hands dirty. Ooh. This is a good one. showed up in uh, an, a paper for literacy. Illiterate? Write today for free help. <laughs> Your communication is so important. How you say things, how you relate to people, how you come across will determine whether they accept or reject you. The message is magnificent. The messenger needs to get magnificent. The messenger needs not to be rejected before the great message has an ability to be translated into another person's life. Praise God. Let me, let me just show you. In 1 Samuel, we don't have time to look it up, but you can look at it in your own time. 1 Samuel 25, 2, there's a couple of uh, characters in this plot. It's a story of David and another, a guy called Nabal, and another guy called, a lady called Abigail. Nabal was the name Foolish, and Abigail, his wife, was the joy of her father. Now, we see the story that David is on the run, and he's looking for refuge, and so he goes through this country. Now, he's, he's been looking after Nabal's shepherds, 
in this whole area. He's been giving them food and he's been giving them protection. He's been helping them out. He's been caring for them. And, and now he's going to ride through he's, with his army. He's going to go through Nabal's country and he's looking for assistance for Nabal. He sends a messenger to Nabal with, with wealth and, and uh, you know, good gifts and all that sort of stuff. And he says to Nabal, Nabal, can you now look after us? We've looked after you for so long and now we're looking for a return um, just for you to help us. Nabal says, uh, says to the messenger, who the hang is David anyway? What? Tell this guy to drop dead. Tell him to get lost. I don't know who David is. What, what the... David goes back, the messenger goes back, tells David, this guy is saying, look, you know, he doesn't care less about you. David's anger burns against this guy, Nabal. He gathers his army together and he's going to kill him. He's going to ride out. He's going to destroy everything of Nabal's house. Everything. He's ready to do business. This guy is just a mean piece of machinery. And he reckons he doesn't deserve to live. But Abigail whose name means the joy of a father, is wise and listens to counsel. Remember, this guy Nabal is a drip and he won't listen. Abigail is wise and she rides out before the army. And she she rides out with, I don't know how she did this so quick, but she's a really smart chick. She rides out with gifts. She's got the camels laden with generosity. She's got food. She's got 7-Up. She's got, you know, Red Bull. She's got, the, she's got McDonald burgers. She's got camelfuls of food and silver and gold. And she rides out and says, everything that my stupid husband has said, please forgive him. He's, he can be a drip sometime, you know. And I want you to, you know, just forgive him. Just love on him and forgive him. And David, I want you to know that you have a clear passage for our land. And here's the wealth of my household. And through her words, communicating through clearly through words, she averts the destruction of her whole family, including her drip husband. Through her words. David said, because of you, because of your wisdom, Abigail. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away anger. But a harsh word stirs up anger. You want to know how to be a great statesman? If someone draws a sword of anger against you, you, they're going to draw a sword of anger against you too. But a soft word causes a sword to slip away. That's what happened in that story. We're going to be statesmen who learn that skill. You feel your blood boil when people offend you or hurt you. You slip the sword away. That's Christian. The hardest thing you and I will ever do. It's a character thing, a soft answer. You can win arguments, but you may, if you win, you still lose. If you win an argument, you still lose because you separated yourself from someone. The only way to win is not to argue. Oh, everybody wants their rights in our community. Everybody. Proverbs seventeen fourteen says the beginning of strife is like releasing water, like breaking a dam. Therefore, stop contending before a quarrel starts. Why prove that a person is wrong? Is that going to make them love you? Is that going to make you safe face? They didn't ask for your opinion and they didn't want it. Why argue with them? Avoid the acute angle. Proverbs chapter 10, here's another life skill. Are you going okay this morning? 
Is this helping somebody? We need to learn how to, as Christians, restrain our speech. You might have been taught in your world, say whatever you like. Be heard. But sometimes to be Christians, to learn to restrain. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he restrains his lips as wise. James 1, verse 19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for for a fool than him. Listen to people when they're talking. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got something to add. Charles Eliot said, There is no mystery about successful business. Exclusive attention to the person speaking is the most important. Nothing else is more complimentary as that. And nothing is ruder than not listening. How often have you walked into a shop and someone just wants to give it to you? All the information. Just shut up, we want to say. You know, they want to sell you something. We had one guy, I walked into a shop the other month with Ryan. And we were in there a few minutes. This guy, he didn't ask us what we wanted to see. He wanted to show us everything. And we said three times, listen, buddy, hello, Yoo-hoo, give me your cheeks. We don't want to hear what you've got to say. We want to go and have one of them. Oh, I've got some of them. No, I don't want to tell you. We didn't want to look at them. And we finished walking out saying, gosh, that guy was obnoxious. He prattled on. The reason we have two ears and only one mouth is that we may listen more than we can speak. Notice the ratio, two to one. Let me tell you this, children know they are loved because their parents stop whatever they are doing and listen to them. Listening and hearing are two different things. Praise God. If you run a business, listen to your customer's complaint department. Listen to and be fixed. They remain loyal. You know, this is, this is a statistic. I'll read this out again properly. Customer complaint section. A customer listened to and fixed, remain loyal and tell 13 others. Not listened to, problem not fixed, they leave telling around 27 others. Ow! Silence is wisdom. Amen? Proverbs 17.28 says, Even a fool is counted wise when he is able to hold his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. My dad used to have a similar saying. He was a profound guy sometimes. He said, it's better for people to think that you're a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. I don't know where God, dad got some of his wisdom from, but he never, I maybe read the Bible. In George Eliot's words, he says, blessed is the man who having nothing to say, abstains from giving wordly advice to the fact Many words reveal a lack of action. Words don't atone for laziness. In Richard III, a Shakespeare play, he said, talkers are good. Talkers are no good doers. Sounds a bit abstract, doesn't it? But praise God. Last thing, and I'll close with this. There's a song that said, When you smile, I can see. You and I were meant to be. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Remember that song, When You Smile? Ray Charles or something like that? Something like that. One of the things that we need to do, it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. 
And if we're to win a world, a smile can win them. A smile can win people. <sighs> when you meet people, you've got to smile. You've got to have a sweet smile. Here's an, here's an ode to the smile. Do you like that? An ode to this bit of poetry this morning. It costs nothing, yet produces a lot. It enriches those who receive it without impoverishing those who give it. It happens in a flash, yet the memory of it can last forever. None are so rich they can get along without it. None are so poor that they are not richer for its benefits it brings in the ease of, of fear. Fosters goodwill amongst strangers and is a countersign of friends. It is not to be bought, begged, borrowed or stolen. For it is something that has no earthly good at all until it is given away. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. Hallelujah. If you want great friends, the band's coming back and we'll just finish that. If you want good friends, who wants good friends? Everybody wants good friends. You know, friendship is a place where we all hunger for. If we're spending so much time trying to get other people interested in us, first thing about friendship, let me tell you, is to be interested in others. The royal road to a person's heart is to talk about the things that interest them most. Even if it doesn't interest you, learn something. Show good manners. Be interested in other people's worlds. Don't be prejudiced. A thousand people look different from you. Their color of their skin, they might be a policeman, a politician, a salesperson, a yuppie, a truckie, a surfer. A Catholic, a Protestant, or a Muslim. They might be rich, poor, unemployed, workaholic, drug user, or large or small, sick, or whatever, or a criminal. But put yourself in other people's shoes. Ask the question, what would it be like to be them? What would it be like to be your wife? What would it be like to be your husband? What would it be like to be your son, your daughter? What would it be like to be your father, employer? What would it be like? to be your pastor. Put yourself in other people's shoes. How would you feel if you reacted and they reacted to you? Ask yourself that question. Be interested in other people. Make other people feeling, feel significant. So many people in our world make people feel insignificant. Trying to get the better, trying to get the upmanship. Make people feel significant. Philippians chapter 2. Said, so let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Don't make yourself important. Don't brag about your great achievements. Let other people brag about your achievements. If there is something worthwhile, worth bragging about, let others tell your story. Proverbs 27.2 says this, Let another man praise you. And not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Leave the store. Everybody wants to leave the room knowing that they've impressed somebody. What impression do you leave? What will they write on your tombstone when you die? Here lies a man who's full of himself, or here lies a man or a woman who was full of everybody else, everybody else's dreams. This guy, Dale Carnegie, and I really, really will close with this last story. 
Dale Carnegie wrote this story, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He actually got this guy, Charles Schwab. He was one of the first people in American business to be paid over a million dollars a year. Andrew Carnegie made made him president of the U.S. Steel Company. And when he was 38 years old, Schwab said he didn't know a lot about the steel industry, but was paid over $3,000 a day. Wow. Because of his ability to deal with people. He said, I consider my ability to arouse enthusiasm among my people the greatest asset I have. And the way to develop that best in a person is by appreciation and encouragement. There is nothing that so kills the motivation of a person as criticism from superiors. I never criticize anybody. I'm anxious to praise and loathe to find fault. I'm hearty in my approbation and lavish in my praise. I have yet to find a person, however great or exalted his station, who did not find work and put forth greater effort under a spirit of approval than he would ever do under a spirit of criticism. Carnegie praised his associates and it was written on his tombstone, Here lies a man who knew how to get around him men cleverer than himself. He had that written on his own tombstone. Here lies a man who had the ability to put men around him cleverer than himself because he always esteemed people cleverer than himself true authority comes not from your position or power true authority comes from the way you make other people feel let's stand to our feet this morning Jesus died so that we could be a kind of people that could reach this earth. You might never have given your life to Jesus. It might be here in this house this morning. Never laid your life down to Christ. Never said, here I am. Still trying to work out your character. Still trying to understand what on earth am I here for? But you know, you find true peace when you come to Jesus. And if you're here this morning and never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to send out an invitation to you. I want to ask you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did once and have slipped away and want to come back this morning, you want to come back to Him as the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Glory and invite Him into your heart and into your life and make Him your King. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to to pray that Jesus brings you to His wonderful plan. I'm going to pray for you that your life will be changed at the very moment that you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. If you have never walked with Jesus and want to this morning, I want to pray for you. If you've slipped away, started to walk your own way, and never, you know, and you want to turn back, I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, just as we, just as we finish this last song, I want you to put up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. I want to come back to Jesus this morning. Or maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you want to this morning. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life this morning. If that's you, slip up your hand high in the air. Praise God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Praise God. Let's worship the Lord. Who am I? That you wash my Prince of Heaven's blood was shed for me.
should call my name Nail my sin to a cross Unfailing grace So oh.